You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's. Okay. Uh, first, just uh, for any new listeners, mm-hmm. I'm Lauren, I'm the ex-Christian, and I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. I'm Nico, and I'm the non-believing sort of Jew, and I'm reading the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And this is not a Bible study podcast, nor is it appropriate for children. Contains adult and offensive materials regularly. Not our fault. Well, the cussing is our fault. But everything else is the Bible. Not all of the cussing is our fault. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But what book are we up to? How how are we doing so far? What's our progress rating? Um, we're what's, on... What's our completion percentage? We're on book 17, I think. Something like that, yeah. Out of like 65 or something? Sure, or something like that. Um, and we are on the book of Esther. Esther. Mm. So before we start on Esther, is there anything we need to cover from Nehemiah, the, the book last week? Or would you rather just forget about that book forever? Um, ideally, I could forget about that book forever, but also like it doesn't actually even have anything to do with Esther because mm-hmm. um, Esther takes place before Nehemiah chronologically. Oh. Um, so it takes place during the reign of Xerxes. And uh, <laughs> said that with such disdain. <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure I pronounced it correctly. Persian King Xerxes, who. Um, do you hate Persian kings? No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I can see it on your face how much you hate the Persian king. Do so let's I? just move on. I don't know. I might need to interrogate this a little further. <laughs> this is the Persian king Xerxes and his son Artaxerxes mm-hmm. is who was in charge in the last couple of books. But now we're jumping back in time. Um, I mean, I guess. Like, it's kind of hard to say for sure. Mm-hmm. And also, who cares? <laughs> and also, who cares? And also, the Persian word for Xerxes is Shan. Mm-hmm. Wait, so the Persian word for Xerxes, so Xerxes isn't his Persian it's name? It's the Greek version. Oh. Yep. Shan. Funky. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that 100% correctly, so nobody at me. No, I just I just checked with my producer, and you're right. Great. Thanks, Invisible Producer. So, well, what you do need to know is that, like, basically, when Babylon took over the kingdom of Judah, the Jews were exiled to places in Babylon. That's called the Babylonian Exile. Then Persia took over Babylon and mm-hmm. uh, allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. And um, But this takes place in Persia. We're not in Jerusalem. Yes. This is Judaism in diaspora. Um, the other interesting thing 
Well, one interesting thing is that the book of Esther and the book of Ruth mm-hmm. are the only two Bible books that are named after women. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, and after this, we can kiss female protagonists goodbye. Whew, what a relief, you know? Um, but the most interesting thing is that there is no direct reference to God or prayer or anything that's explicitly religious. And that may be why this book's place in the biblical canon has been disputed. Do you want to hear some choice quotes from the intro to Esther in my Bible? Yes. Okay, check this out. Uh, The book provoked debate among rabbis and church fathers over its scriptural status for reasons that were not always spelled out. Uh, Later, it also says that... Does it spell them out for you? Yes, it does. It says among those reasons is the fact that Esther seems to celebrate female sexuality. Oh, my. Also... Martin Luther wished it had never been written. Oh, wow. What a fucking surprise. I read all this, and then my note says, sign me up, boys. <laughs> the the notes in my Bible say, um, the fact there's no direct reference to God is just, quote, a literary device to heighten the fact that it is God who controls and directs all the seemingly ah. insignificant coincidences that make up the plot an issue in deliverance for the Jews. Of course, heightening like, yeah, it. You're right. Things are their opposites. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's firmly in the canon now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Esther is actually a saint in, uh, the Eastern, or- Eastern Orthodox Church. Mm. Anyway, should we start into the, the plot of this book? Yes, let's. Okay. So we start with, uh, King Xerxes, probably. AKA Ahasaurus? <laughs> That's a, a dinosaur that is constantly having aha moments. Mm-hmm. It's either a smart or dumb dinosaur, depending on how you look at it. Um... He is sitting on his throne in Susa, the winter home of Persian kings. (laughs) And um, he's throwing a big party for the express purpose of, quote, displaying the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. So this dude knows how to get down. Yeah. Is basically the idea because he throws a six month party. It's six months? 180 days long party. Oh, my God. But not only that. Once that party is wrapped up, that's just the that's the main party. He has like and a, after the party, it's the after. It's party. the after party. Yes, he has a wind down party that's seven days long. Oh my god! So he's like, this consists of him like just basically showing off. He's like showing off all his tapestries and like his linens mm-hmm. and like gold couches. <laughs> Every guest gets their own gold goblet that's like unique. Oh, and, like a party um, favor. They yeah, get to take it home. But I don't think they get to take it home. But oh, I don't that know. sucks. Um, and it says each guest was allowed to drink in his own way. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> to, they can either drink to excess or dangerously too much. or <laughs> Yeah. Or they could drink, I don't know, beer instead of wine. No, I, they probably didn't have beer. Do they, they, probably they definitely had beer. had beer. Beer is older than the Bible, baby. Beer is older than the Bible. Yeah. Well, it only mentions wine. Anyway, he decides that among his possessions, he would also like to show off the beautiful queen Vashti. Mm-hmm. And she's off having her own like gender segregated party for women. Yes. She's having her own banquet. Yeah. And so Xerxes sends his uh, his seven eunuchs to go get Vashti, but she refuses to come. She's hanging out with her girlfriends. She's drinking rosé and watching Beyonce videos, whatever. She doesn't want to get up and go be publicly objectified in front of the whole kingdom. So... She says no, and then instead of, I don't know, going over there and asking nicely, Xerxes uh, 
immediately calls over seven top-level advisors. Mm -hmm. Seven scholars. Yeah. These are top men. Not bottom men. (laughs) Well, it was Persia, baby. And they decide she's breaking the law and setting a bad example for all women. So they not only depose her as queen, Mm -hmm. they also send dispatches all around the kingdom from India to Kush. Mm Mm-hmm. Stating that men are the head of the households and women have to obey them. Every man should be a master in his own house. And remember, this is like, this is the largest kingdom in history mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, they have to translate. It's just like they have to translate it into all these different languages. Mm-hmm. But like, this is what's really important is that like, Queen Vashti didn't immediately like obey and become, <laughs> act like a possession, you know. Mm-hmm. Therefore... We got to get this on lockdown. We got to make sure that we codify into law that women are less than men. So she gets fired. She gets shit canned and tossed. So now they need to do star search. Yes. Open casting call mm-hmm. for, uh, quote, beautiful young virgins That's to right. be the new queen. All the young virgins in the land. And the lucky runners up get to be in the harem. Yay. Hey. I don't know. If he already has a harem, why doesn't he just pick a new wife from the harem? Yeah. Uh, I think he wants an excuse to troll the largest empire in history for some fresh pee. Oh, okay. I have a little factoid that might surprise you about this search. Okay. The fact is, based on the time that it describes the various events happening, before the next part of our story begins, Uh he is searching for a new wife for four years. Yeah. He's auditioning a virgin every night for four years. Oh my God. That's crazy. But also, well, we'll get to that in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay. So, um, one eligible young bachelorette mm-hmm. is a girl, a Jewish girl living in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And her name is Hadassah. That's her Jewish name. But her Babylon, her Babylonian name is Esther. Now, do we? Do you think we have time to zip into that etymology corner real quick? <laughs> yes, as long as... Yes, as long as we take the express zip line and not the fucking slow-ass local one. Okay, uh, let's just uh, hook up here and zip. Okay, in that emoji corner, Esther might be from the Persian word for star. Okay. But it might also be a version of the name Ishtar, mm. which people may recognize the name of a Babylonian goddess, Ishtar, mm-hmm. who is also sometimes identified with Asherah, mm. a.k.a. that goddess with all the poles that they can never seem to get rid of in the entire Bible. Who was once identified as the wife of the Jewish god. Yes. So do you have do you have more information about that? Do you remember? There was just a there was an ancient steel written down. S-T-E-L-E. Mm-hmm. Wherein uh, Asherah was described as the lady of God or God's lady yeah, or something. The consort of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Who became also the consort of El. Right. And eventually Yahweh and El kind of merged into one and became the monotheistic Jewish God. Um, And so I was like trying to research this and it kind of sounds like some Da Vinci Code shit, you Mm -hmm. know, but like it's real. I found it in multiple... I mean, the Da Vinci Code is real too. Well... It was a real bestseller. Real annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I found it in multiple... Like it's in the Oxford Companion to World Mythology. It's, Mm. you know, it's like a well-established... Fact. Um, CWM? Wow. So Asherah was also associated with trees, that 
that's why there's poles. Okay. That's like, like trees are like the poles of nature. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. They're like the poles of the forest. Yeah. And um, this detail I didn't research maybe perhaps as thoroughly as was possible. But it seems, from what I can tell, it seems legit that one of the trees that was sacred to Asherah was the myrtle tree. Mm. And how do you say myrtle in Hebrew? Hadassah. Oh. Suddenly the the great spinning disks are revealed. <laughs> the great spinning disks? Yes. The and clockwork of the universe reveals itself. We cannot leave the etymology corner yet because Esther's parents died when she was young and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. Mm-hmm. And Named after, of course, the best Johnny Depp film of all time. Oh my God. I can't believe there's a Johnny Depp film I'm not familiar with. He has a mustache in it. He has a mustache in a lot of movies. That's a good point. Um, he has very fanciful facial hair in general. I take that back. That's not a good point. Um, but Mordecai is named after the Babylonian god Marduk. Oh. So. This is like Ishtar and Marduk. Yeah. Huh. In, in a book that doesn't ever explicitly mention the Jewish god. Hmm. Bam. Ancient alien that shit. <laughs> okay. Zipping out of the etymology corner. That was more like Jetsons. <laughs> that was still like Jetsons. Whatever. We're out of it. We're back in the regular corner, aka the middle of the room. Xerxes is searching for a new wife, and uh, Esther decides to try out. She makes it past the first few levels. Yeah, so she officially gets to join the harem yes. or something like that. Yeah. But she still has yet to be auditioned properly to be the queen. Yeah. So I guess you have to, like, sleep with a couple of casting directors on the way <laughs> before you get to sleep with, like, the director. Well, I don't know, because then they wouldn't be virgins. That's a good point. I feel like that's, that's a good pretty point. important selling point of this particular casting call. Uh-huh. Um, but she does have to receive, like, a year of beauty treatment, That's says? right. The first six months is, like, Epsom salt baths, and then the second sec- second six months is some other treatment. It's like, perfumes? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what, like... No, they had a science. They apparently some sort of beauty science. Yeah, what like what regimen does perfume do over six months that it doesn't do in six seconds? I don't know. <laughs> they just let they soak you in it. <laughs> it gets into your pores. You know, it's like so like ten percent of the water that is normally what makes up your body is now perfume. And um, her cousin Mordecai. Is always like pacing outside the harem. He he works for the royal court. He's right, like a scribe which or I felt was like. Not very well explained at the beginning. No, it wasn't. So I definitely was like, why is Mordecai always hanging around with yeah. the palace? What a creepo. Um, like, does he have anything better to do with his life than worry about his cousin? I mean, if your cousin's going to become queen, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, you definitely want to hitch your uh, wagon to their coattails. What, yeah. Is that the expression? Mm-hmm. That's the expression exactly. People used to pull wagons with their coattails. Well, I mean, I've never done it, but I'm not a traveled man. I don't uh. know what <laughs> happens in the wide world. Um, and so she keeps, she keeps, uh, leveling up, moving through the ranks. <laughs> yes. And then finally she has her like last audition where, um, they're allowed to, each woman is allowed to take whatever she wants. By making to that, making it to that stage, they already earn a prize, which is they would during the meeting with the king or whatever, they can ask for one thing. They get a brand new car. For example. Okay. But she, and this is supposed to be indicative of her uh, her good judgment, which will come back into play later, mm-hmm. she only asks for 
what is advised of her. So she basically asked the eunuch that's like taking her to the yeah. audition. She's like, whose name is Hegai. Like, hey, hey, guy. Like, hey, guy. Yeah. She's like, what's like the most appropriate thing to ask for? And it doesn't actually tell us what the thing is. No, I thought it was like that she got to take whatever she wanted, like to her audition. <laughs> like she got to like get her hair did however she wanted or mm. whatever. Well, and she had a year of beauty treatment. I know. Presumably they would have covered that. Well, and then I thought like a guy was like, no, just, you know, just keep it simple. <laughs> And then she was like, okay, I'll do it. No, I think she gets to ask for one thing, but she it's another one of these trick things where you're supposed to ask for the right thing, even uh-huh. though you can ask for anything. Uh-huh. So she probably asked for like nothing more than a single rose and a <laughs> and a calming smile from the beatific mouth of the king or whatever she's Maybe, supposed I to ask for. I think you have for. a bright future in fanfic. <sighs> um, I have a dark past in fanfic. So hurrah, <laughs> she becomes the new queen. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think the listeners needed to know about your dark past in fanfic. It can only hurt you. So she becomes the new queen. Okay. And I don't know how she stands out above all of these other women. Well, it says that uh, he was attracted to her <laughs> above all other women. So besides the literally thousands of other virgins that he's auditioned, this one stood out? Yeah. Okay. Well, you couldn't choose, well, I guess out of a, like thousands, it would be difficult to choose like the most attractive person. One every night? Come on. How are you going to? For four years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was just like getting sick of it and he was like, okay, whatever. Like <laughs> The next one. I thought this would be awesome, but like. <laughs> and it was for four years. Yeah. You see, you're like, be careful what you wish for. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm, I'm running dry. I'm just going to pick the next chill girl that comes across <laughs> my bed. Comes across my bed. Um. But she gets to be queen. Hurrah. She moves in. Yes. Everything's cool. No problems, I guess. Right. And um, very early on in her reign as mm-hmm. queen, um, her cousin Mordecai, who works in the royal court, overhears a plot to assassinate the king. Mm-hmm. And so he tells Esther, she tells the king, and that saves his life. Yeah. So he's like, Esther's like now kind of like MVP, and she gave credit to Mordecai. So he should be too. He should. But... Now the story introduces something of an antagonist, as I say. Yes. And this is another four years later. So um, he is honoring this noble named Haman. Haman. Or Haman. 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 There's Haggai and Haman. Or Ham Man. Mm -hmm. The Ham Man. (laughs) We call him the Ham Man, and you know why. Because he ain't kosher. (laughs) Um, And... So anyway, he's, yeah, he's an enemy to the Jews um, because at his ceremony where he's being honored, he makes everyone bow down to him. Mm -hmm. And Mordecai, as part of the royal retinue, is supposed to do that, but he refuses because it's against his religion. To bow down before any man. The the religion of being Jewish. (laughs) Where you can't uh, worship idols. Right. And so in revenge, Haman, the ham man. Does it, it, it does seem like it's direct revenge for one guy not bowing to him, right? Yeah. I mean, that's certainly how the Bible sets it up. Which is insane. It's not that insane if you're like um, a really high ranking official and a religious minority pisses you off, right? It still seems insane. Well, okay. It's a little insane because what he does is he decides to exterminate all the Jews. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is – I guess that is a pretty big overreaction. I'll, I'll grant you that. So he and his dudes then cast lots mm-hmm. to decide at random 
on what date this seems very arbitrary. This genocide should occur. And this is important because the Persian word for lot is poor. Yes, and so then the the Hebrew pluralization of that would be Purim, mm-hmm. which is what the Jewish holiday Purim is named after, um, which we'll get to a little later. My Bible says that this is a back formation, that this was inserted in there as like a justification because the festival itself was Persian. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that like they had to create some sort of r- reason why it would be named this. I mean, it does like the fact that it's named Purim mm-hmm. seems that's like the very least important detail in the entire story. Yeah, the lots don't have anything to do with anything. Yeah, they just determine the date that he's decided that he's going to kill all Jews. Right. So anyway... uh, He gets the ear of the king, and he says to the king, we got to deal with these people. Uh, I won't bore you with the details, but... But we got to do a little bit of racial cleansing. Yeah, and the king's like, well, uh, you know, it's got to happen every once in a while. Give him the thumbs up. Yep. Uh, He signs off on the decree, and the decree is... Distributed throughout the empire, I guess. And it's, again, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like they have to translate it in all the languages. They send it from India to Kush, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this one says to kill all Jews, man, woman, and child. Mm-hmm. By the way, Haman, in Ham order... Man. To, the Ham Man. Yeah. The Ham Man himself. Yeah. We call him prosciuttoid. <laughs> the... Going, hashtag ham for ham. <laughs> you don't get that, do I get you? it. I get you get it. it? I get it. I get it. I think. What do you what do you think it is? Uh, it's either about John or Mia Ham. No, it's about <laughs> Hamilton, the hit musical sweeping our nation's streets. And John Ham's in, endorsement of yes, it's Ham H A M M for for ham. ham. Yeah. Um. Anyway, well, I guess they're they are not going ham for ham. <laughs> they're going. Well, do you want to go ham for ham with me? What does that mean? We pay one ham and we receive another ham. Well, it's like for every ham that I pay, you match that ham. Oh, okay. We're going ham for ham. Who are we paying in hams? Well, I mean, just our day-to-day life. You know, whenever we have to deal with ham, Uh like you just go ham to ham or ham for ham. Excuse me. You just go ham for ham with me. You're inventing a new hashtag, ham to ham. (laughs) Ham for ham to, ham to ham. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, So anyway. The thing I actually wanted to say was Haman... In order to accomplish this pogrom against the Jews, offers to pay, you know, 10,000 uh, honey baked hams. <laughs> he offers to go ham for ham with the emperor. Uh-huh. No, actually, he offers to pay 10,000 whatevers of silver for the privilege to do this. He's basically buying the right to exterminate Jews. Oh, that's cool. And the money that he offers, according to the notes in my Bible, would be the equivalent of hundreds of millions of dollars today. Wow. So he a rich he a rich ham man. Wow. And that's what he wants to spend his money on. That's what he's decided the worthy causes. Yeah, he's like a Coke brother. Jesus. He's got that pork money. Uh, okay. okay. Um so the Jews are understandably distraught. Uh yeah, break out the sackcloth and ashes, everybody. Yeah, and they're all fasting and weeping and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um Esther's maids and eunuchs see Mordecai. In his sackcloth. Mm-hmm. And um, he can't enter the palace grounds for his job. No. Because he's wearing sackcloth. So the maids and the eunuchs are like, come get your cousin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she doesn't know what's going on. So she sends one eunuch named um, Hathach. Hathach? I don't know. Let's say Hath- Hathach. 
Hethich? How do you want to pronounce it? I don't want to pronounce okay. it. Okay. This eunuch asks Mordecai what's up. Uh-huh. And um, Mordecai tells him and he reports back to Esther and she, whatever, they pass messages through this guy. And um, Esther says she can't, there's nothing she can do about it. Mm-hmm. She can't talk to the king about it because you can't approach the king unsummoned or you'll be put to death. And she hasn't been summoned for over 30 days. Yeah. And you would think that like that wouldn't count for his wife, but we saw what happened with his last wife. So. True. And Esther takes a little convincing to go to bat for the Jews yeah. on this. Yeah. She's like, well, I can't. He'll kill me. Yeah. And so Mordecai has to convince her. And one of the things he says is that you have to you have to fight for the Jews. And even if you don't, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. Yeah. And that's uh, apparently a very important line because that's the only line that people can use to, to like, point to the existence of God in this story. Right. But, um, yeah, but he never says, like, he never says the word God. Right. And he says, like, um, who knows, maybe you were put on the throne for this purpose. Mm-hmm. But, like, by whom? It doesn't say. No. And it doesn't say from another quarter could be, you know, another person or it could be, you know, God acting through someone else or whatever. Yeah. So that's apparently um, a very theologically important line. And he's very, uh, I mean, he tells her, like, the Jews are going to survive one way or another. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you don't go to bat for your people, maybe you and your family will be cursed. So think about that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, have everyone fast for me. Have all the Jews fast for me for three days. And I'll have my maids and eunuchs fast also. And it's interesting that it's fasting, not praying. Mm-hmm. It's like... You'd think it would be praying, but that, like, prayer is never actually mentioned mm. in this entire book. Mm. So she says, after after three days of fasting, I'll do it. I'll approach him. And if I perish, I perish. Right. Really that's, setting that's up setting up the stakes yeah. here for this. It is good storytelling. Yeah. Um. So then she, at the end of the three days, she kind of walks over, like, in the general direction of the king. Yeah, she doesn't, like, she is skirting the line between appearing before him and yeah. not appearing before yeah. him or whatever and um he holds out his golden scepter mm-hmm. to her which That's... means she's good to go she's good to approach him oh you know what that means you know so when esther gets to go before the king she takes the unusual action of instead of just like talking about the things that's on her mind yeah. she arranges a banquet yeah so she says like she says she has a request mm-hmm. And then, and the king is like super receptive. He's yes. like, "Yeah, whatever you want, ask for up to half the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I'll give you whatever you want." Which is like kind of surprising, considering he hadn't like called her up called in thirty her, days. But he seems like, a little seems a little absent minded. But if you had that many wives, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, and he's you know he's running a huge kingdom, whatever, presumably. And but instead of saying what's on her mind, she's like, "I uh, just wanted you to come over to this party right now that I'm throwing." Uh, and he's like, right now? And she's like, yeah, you know, right now. Why not? Um, so he's like, okay, sure. I don't have anything going on. Goes over to the party and Ham Man is also there. Mm-hmm. And they're all drinking wine. Mm-hmm. And the king asks, oh, you know, what was your, what was your request that you want to talk to me about earlier? And she's like, uh, just, uh, want to know if you want to come to another party tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hell yeah, my wife's cool. <laughs> my wife's a party girl. I'm into it. <laughs> It's like, I didn't know you liked to party. Yeah. <laughs> I should have summoned you way earlier. Yeah, party on. Yeah. Yes, party uh, on, as, the, as everyone says. <laughs> that ancient piece of biblical scripture that gives so many people sucker in time of need. 
Party on. <laughs> so, now that this banquet is arranged, we cut to Ham Man mm-hmm. in his private moments. Mm-hmm. Going back to his ham family. Ham Man is talking with his ham family. He's talking to his ham wife. And he's he is really broken up by the fact that Mordecai will not bow to him. His insouciance gives him no end of trouble. Yeah, it's well, it says... um. Well, the direct quote from my Bible is, Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Mm-hmm. That was so good. That's such a good psychological detail. Like, he leaves, like, he's like, he oh, yeah. happy. I'm like, I just partied. I'm, you know, I've got my buzz on. I've been drinking wine. And then he's like, oh, this fucking Mordecai guy. So he goes home and he's talking to his ham family. And he's like, this dude is pissing me off. And they're like, you know what you should do? Have him killed. You know, the day's only, it's only a couple of days away. I tell you what, would make you feel better. Let's build 50 foot gallows. Just says 50 feet? Yeah. Mine says 75 feet. <laughs> it might be like 50 cubit gallows. Well, whatever it is, it's a very large gallows. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? I love you guys so much. You know me so well. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that would make me happy. Also, and then like- the, the kid is like, kid's like, father. Don't even worry about it. I will take care of it. I got this. I will build these gallows. I also really like how his wife, it's like, it's his wife's suggestion. Yes. And the way she phrases it is like, you know what, honey, you're right. Like, you should be able to enjoy getting invited to parties. Uh Why don't you just like build this giant gallows, hang Mordecai, and then you could just go to the party tomorrow with nothing on your mind. That's right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you'll never be able to enjoy that party if you know that Mordecai is out there not bowing to you. So just like, we'll hang him. Everything will be fine. You know, then you'll just get get that peace of mind i also like that uh um Hamin specifically says i'm the only person queen esther invited mm-hmm. like it's just so like people jockeying for positions of power has always been like that you know mm-hmm. like you like someone was always going home and being like well i'm the only one that got invited to this party mm-hmm. like, forever so from that intimate home detail we cut to another intimate home detail this one a little stranger because the king is suffering from insomnia. <laughs> the ancient Greek for not being able to sleep. <laughs> it's a, a no-sleepo. And uh, apparently, when the king can't sleep... He has the details of his own life read back to him. You know what? I was going to make fun of him for this. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, like, how many times that I have, like, not gone to bed because I was up reading my own Twitter feed <laughs> Like, you know what? Like, he's the king. Let him do what he wants. <laughs> it also reminded me of Beyonce, who has her personal videographer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, videos every moment of her life and her family's life. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, she's basically a queen. Yep. Like, so she's queen bee. Yeah. So he is getting the the details of his life read back to him. Yep. To try and fall asleep. From a few years earlier. Yeah. And he stumbles upon the moment when Mordecai warned Esther of the plot against the king's life. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? I don't remember that. He was like, no, I, I did we ever reward that guy? <laughs> and I guess the scribe is like, no, uh, nothing here, it's nothing not, in these records. It's not my job. <laughs> and, and okay, th- I'm unclear on the timeline here because it says like just then mm-hmm. Haman arrives, but isn't it like the middle of the night? Something like that. Or is it like the next morning and he didn't sleep at all? Um... Uh, in my mind, the king thinks this and makes a note for the scribe, and then he goes to sleep. And then the next mm. morning, Haman comes by and is like, let's do some business today. I got a special execution I want to do. That's um, that's another great piece of fanfic from your beautiful mind. 
Have you seen? Have you read my beautiful mind fanfic? By the way, <laughs> no. Uh, what happens? It's in called it? Game Theory: Theory of Games. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so Hamid arrives to tell the king about this technologically advanced new seventy-five foot gallows that he's built, and um, the king is like, "Okay, hold up. Before we get to that, I really want to honor someone." And Hamid thinks that the king is talking about him. This is such a great moment. Yeah. The way this story plays out yeah. is so human and so real totally. that somebody would – and it's also very folktale, like that Haman is – he built his – he built gallows. Yeah. And then he walks into here and he starts talking about – because the he assumes that the king is talking about him and he's like, oh, if you want to honor somebody, you, you give – them one of your robes you yeah. give them one of your crowns you parade them through the streets with... on a horse that you have ridden mm -hmm. and uh and then the king is like great uh do all that for mordecai mm -hmm. and he says uh basically whenever haman refers to mordecai he says um that jew mordecai mm -hmm. and then when the king refers to him he says mordecai the jew mm -hmm. i don't know like how much of that is just a product of the translation or mm -hmm. whatever, but like it's very effective. It seems like yeah, it's like using the same term, but like in a disrespectful and then in a respectful way. Um, so like Haman does that. He has to. He literally like what's the quote? Let me find it. He leads him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, "This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor." Mm -hmm. Like he has to say that. He has to shout that to the entire kingdom, and. Like when he thought it was going to be for him and now it's for his worst enemy. It's like so delicious. It's so – it's such a good deployment of poetic irony. It is. And I love that we don't really get much about Haman – the Hamman's man's reaction to this until he gets home. Just like when he got home after Mordecai refused to bow to him after he got invited to a party. Yeah. <laughs> he gets home. It says he told his wife and all his friends everything that had happened to him. And his wife fucking – knows that he's done for yeah his wife is immediately like if you did that for mordecai you are done like you are toast and also like i love that his wife just hears the story and immediately knows yeah she, that he's done yeah she's like well i guess you gotta go to that party now <laughs> i think i assume that she's already packing her bags you know and like <laughs> calling up her her most her, handsome, her, her most handsome lover you know oh, and being like sure Remember when I said that someday we would leave town together? <laughs> Guess Today's what? the day. Um, I have a rich, a rich life imagined for the family of Mordecai. I don't know if you know that. I I do know that. That's been well established. You have a rich imagination about everything in this holy book. All right, so we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, finish the story of Esther. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the holiday of Purim, and we might even mention Veggie Tales. We might not, though. You'll just have to see. You'll never know. You'll know in about 60 seconds. Remember me. Okay.
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we are talking about the Book of Esther. Yes. So <laughs> when we left off, uh, we were about to about to go to party number two, <laughs> thrown by Esther for... Uh, Love a story that hinges on parties. Yes, for Haman and for her husband, King Xerxes, um, or Shari Shan, mm-hmm. um, or whatever it was. And... Uh, She's throwing this party because she was too timid to uh, say what was really on her mind at first. And what was really on her mind was that she didn't want Haman to exterminate all <laughs> to Jews. kill all Jews. Uh-huh. Of which she is one. Um, so they're at the party. They're sipping wine. Mm-hmm. And Esther pops the question. Because the king once again asks, you can have anything you want up to half the kingdom. You yeah. just have to tell me what you want. Yeah. I can tell you that you want something. And Esther says, you know what? I'd like it if Haman didn't kill all the Jews. <laughs> well, she doesn't even say that directly at first. Like, she still has to lead up to it. You uh-huh. know? She's like, well, there is this law that was just, right. you know, passed that does say that everyone of my ethnicity has to be slaughtered. And, you know, like, if you were, if it was just about, like, selling us into slavery, I wouldn't have bothered you mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. But it's actually killing us all. So... And the king was like, I can't believe it. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? Who did this? And she says, this Hiller-ass motherfucker drinking our wine over here. This ham, ham fellow right here. <laughs> and, uh... The king, like, slams the table and, like, storms out in a rage. Mm-hmm. To go get his royal seal so that he can repeal that thing and whatever. And um, Haman starts, like, begging for mercy from mm-hmm. Esther. He throws himself at her feet. Um, and then, like... Literal feet, not biblical feet. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, just as the king comes back into the room, mm-hmm. like, he sees Haman, like, like falling over the couch trying to beg Esther for mercy. And um, he thinks that Haman's trying to, well, the the word that my bubble uses is molest. Mm-hmm. He's trying to molest Esther. And he's like, molester. oh, and he's trying to molest he's, her. Yeah, he's trying to molest her. And he's like, <laughs> oh, it, like in my own house, you're going to do this. Like, like this genocide wasn't enough for you. Now you got to molest my queen. Oh, it wasn't enough for you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then this eunuch, a third eunuch. Uh huh. Harbona is his name. The third eunuch. Um, pipes up and he's like, <laughs> oh, hey. In his um, inimitable eunuch way. He's like, did you know there's like this really convenient 75-foot gallows like right next to Haman's house? I don't know. We could like hang him on it. I imagine that guy has been hanging back the whole time being like, I fucking hate this ham like, dude over he, here. <laughs> like he made it to hang Mordecai, that awesome guy that saved your life. Um, And the king's like, you were going to kill Mordecai too? I love Mordecai <laughs> as of several days ago. As of, yeah. Well, as of like last night. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I, just, I feel like we got to give like a shout out to the eunuchs. <laughs> they this, do kind of rock book. it in this book. Like they help Esther get the queenship. They help her like send messages to Mordecai. True. And now this guy's like really, he's really driving it home. That's true. He is basically just like. He's connecting the dots there. He's like, you got all the pieces right here. I just, you just put them together. Yeah. And uh, so, bam, the king has him hanged. Gives all the shit to Esther. Gives his whole estate to Esther. Mordecai also gets gets his house. Yeah. um, Repeals the the genocide law. (laughs) And um, 
importantly, makes it legal for Jews to defend themselves against the attacks. Because I guess, I guess, like when you're dealing with like pre-industrial communication, mm-hmm. even when you send out another missive in multiple languages, you can't be sure that everyone's going to get it. So maybe everyone still thinks that on this particular date, they're allowed to kill all the Jews. In fact, yeah, they're supposed to. For sure. Um, so he also makes it legal for the Jews to defend themselves against any of those attacks that do happen. Which, I mean, it's, it gets a little problematic. Well, yeah. We'll get there in a second. Mordecai also gets a bunch of robes and shit. Uh, well, that's very important. And also, there's this weird sentence. Many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews seized them. I don't really know what that means. So people interpreted the reversal of fortunes of the Jews as being like the Jews were now in favor. Mm-hmm. You know, that they were. Uh, that, well, that, the queen is Jewish. That's true. But nobody knew that before. Right. Including the king. Right. But now that the now that the Jews are favored by the king, everybody's suddenly like, hey, I'm a Jew. Like, you can't kill me. <laughs> yeah. You know? And if you threaten me, I have, the right to, to. I have the right to defend myself. Yeah. And uh, so I just made Nico watch the VeggieTales yeah. version of Esther. It was a poor decision. Uh, and that's where the VeggieTales version ends. <laughs> um, except that... Esther sings a song. Esther, well, Esther sings a bunch of songs. And uh, instead of getting hanged on a 75-foot gallows, uh, Haman gets sent to the Island of Perpetual Tickling. <laughs> Interesting thing about the VeggieTales version is that it mentions God and prayer a lot, mm-hmm. but never mentions the word Jew. That's right. They they they. It's very, like the exact opposite. Of, yeah, they very carefully insert a bunch of God stuff into yeah. the story and take all the Jewish stuff out. Yeah. Except her uncle sounds like. Well, a, he's not an uncle. He's an older cousin. Older cousin. Sorry, her cousin sounds like he's working the Catskills or something. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely like the Borscht Belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what they didn't dare to show the children. In that cheap-ass CGI vegetable character video. I don't think it was that cheap, honestly. That medium-budget vegetable character That's a fair characterization. CGI video. Yeah. Um, was what happened after that when the date finally came, the date had, that had been chosen by lots, which is uh, chapter 9 in the Book of Esther, mm-hmm. titled The Triumph of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And it's a joyful description of all the people the Jews killed. Uh, now that the tables are turned, it's uh, very triumphant. There's about 75,000 of them across the kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, Haman's 10 sons, his 10 large sons. Uh, and for some reason, they don't take the dead people's plunder, even though that was part of the law, like Haman sa- or uh, Xerxes said. That they're welcome to their stuff? Yeah, that they can take plunder, but... They, it's like they a don't moral do high it. ground kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, moral high ground. And uh, that is what the holiday Purim commemorates. And that's like, it says that, and then, you know, it says like, so that's why we have the holiday Purim, and uh, Mordecai kind of writes to all the Jewish communities throughout the kingdom and says, you Remember celebrate this, this. Yeah. yeah. And he specifies um, that it's like a day for feasting. Mm-hmm. And um, a day for giving gifts of food to each other and to the poor. And then uh, the book ends with Mordecai becoming Xerxes' kind of right-hand man, mm-hmm. much like Joseph became the Pharaoh's right-hand man back in Genesis. So mm-hmm. He's like, he can do whatever he wants, and he's like, the only person above him is Xerxes. Right. So we asked our listeners to send in their Purim stories. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we got a couple of good ones. Uh, one person just said uh, that they celebrated Purim by noshing on some hamantashen. That person was my friend Jessica, and she's not actually Jewish, but it was a good one anyway. <laughs> um, uh, our listener Julia said that she they always made mishloach menot, which are like they're like Purim baskets. They're like similar to Easter baskets, okay. full of uh, food, and they like help fulfill the. Uh, the commandment to like give food to each other and to the poor. Ah, when you don't have a field that you can let people glean, I guess you got to make perine yeah. baskets. Yeah, I understand. Um, so I and, never had that problem. And we always she... let people glean in our field. <laughs> That's true. And you've got some great gleaners in in your family's employ. Uh, to get a better idea about the holiday of Purim, which neither Nico nor I have celebrated, mm-hmm. we decided to give a call to Luke Danny Blue. She is a writer, astrologer, and editor living in California, winner of the 2015 Nelligan Award for Short Fiction and the 2014 Wilner Short Story Award. Luke has stories published in the Colorado Review, 14 Hills, Midnight Breakfast, where I'm a senior editor, and Blue Stem, as well as many other journals. And uh, also, she's my buddy from grad school. Hi, Luke. Hey, Luke. Hi, guys. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thanks for um, inviting me to be famous. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to be so famous. <laughs> Super famous. <laughs> um, so can you tell us like, just really quickly about your religious background? Yeah, uh, I am Jewish, and I was raised um, something called secular humanist, which is like this totally 1970s hippie Jew thing. Okay. Um, that was like, let's subtract all the religious parts, but educate you about culture, but you can believe in God, but it's totally optional and we just won't talk about it. That's interesting because do you know that the book of Esther doesn't mention God or prayer at all? No, I did not know that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It's all about like Judaism as like an ethnicity Mm -hmm. and as a culture. That makes sense. It was a big deal in my, um, in my Jewish cultural society upbringing. So, um, so tell us how you celebrated Purim. Um, First of all, how do you was, pronounce it? Uh, just Purim. Okay, I think that's the Yiddish pronunciation, and then I think the oh, Hebrew yeah, is like that makes sense. but I don't know. Well, have you ever been to like an ice cream social, like a fundraiser for like an elementary school or something? I did. No, yes, who it... told you? <laughs> <laughs> because that's basically, I think, whoever designed the Purim. Because Purim <laughs> is like, it's like a carnival holiday. So it's supposed to be like everyone gets drunk and they have sex and they dress up in costumes, et cetera, et cetera. In what, in like, what order? Yeah, in that order. <laughs> yeah, definitely in that order. So you um, as a child were involved how? <laughs> well, so the Jewish Cultural Society of Ann Arbor um, clearly did not think these activities were appropriate for children. And um, so they someone must have been involved in organizing ice cream socials for local elementary schools mm-hmm. because they basically just put an ice cream social in the, in the gym at the Jewish Cultural Society building. Mm. And um, just as it was written. Yes. Just as it was written. And yeah. And then there were it was like an ice cream social with hamantaschen and no pies. And can you explain to us what hamantaschen are? They are. Well, see, I think that there are such a thing as delicious hamantaschen. <laughs> but the hamantaschen I was raised with were like they were like um, they're sort of like if you had a tiny this is a terrible way of describing these. They're like if you had a tiny, uh, uh, what's the Australian boomerang, uh-huh. but it had another piece and it was made out of 
dough, but you also wanted to be able to throw it. That's a perfect was, description. Who wouldn't yeah. understand that? It was like that. Um, yeah. I mean, they're they're supposed to be small versions of Haman's hats. So here's my problem with Hamantasha. Okay. Haman's, is like, Haman's hats. They're, su- they're supposed to have these like different fillings. You can like get uh, your like raspberry Hamantasha. You're about to do your type your, five on Hamantasha here. Yeah. What's yeah. the deal with Hamantasha? Yeah. So, well, this isn't, I mean, this is the, the food is always the most important part of a holiday, right? And since we weren't getting drunk, it was all about the hamantaschen. But yeah, so the hamantaschen, like, so there were like orange marmalade. I don't think that's a traditional flavor, but that's what we had. And chocolate chip, also not a traditional Mm. flavor. But here's the deal. It's like, it's like this like hard triangular wad of dough. It's already too big to be a cookie. It's missing, I'm sure, whatever are the special ingredients that make cookies like soft and spongy. It does not have those. Um, it's not matzah, but you could sort of get the impression that if you needed to carry it through the desert for 40 years, you could. Mm. And then the, the, the like filling ingredients that you're supposed to make it delicious. They're just kind of like, like I always got the chocolate chip ones and there would be like six chocolate chips and like the, in the entire of this like giant throwable cookie. brick of dough. Yeah, I don't even think you can call it a cookie. You know, it's more of a hat. I've had some really good hamantaschen, actually. Yeah, well, you clearly have goy privilege. <laughs> I actually... You just got I dumped on, them, I think. <laughs> I had them in Austin, Texas, of all places. There you go. See? Um, at a, at a like, Jewish community center there. But anyway, um, so hamantaschen, what else, what else did you do for this celebration? Um, we, there was like a sponge thing where you threw sponges at the faces of your Sunday school teachers. Really? Um, I was about to, I thought yeah, you were about they, to say your enemies. They were like inside of a cutout of Haman's head. I mean, again, this is more ice cream social tradition than Purim tradition. Um, and, uh, let's see. Um, oh, there was a, there was like a costume contest. So like, but I, like, this is the thing about Purim. Like, if you're not getting drunk and having sex, I think it sort of loses some of the magic because there's only three costumes. Okay. There's Mordecai. Uh-huh. Well, I guess there's four, right? Because there's the king, too. So there's Mordecai, there's Haman, and there's Esther, and then there's the king. Uh-huh. That's your choices. Uh-huh. You don't get to dress up as a eunuch or anything like that? No. Eunuchs played I mean, a large role in this Bible book. Yeah. I mean, I think clearly if you were going to have more fun with this, there were, the eunuchs would be an option. I I think I pretty much, I think there was one year that I went as Mordecai, but I think pretty much every year, my mom was really into strong women. So <laughs> I think pretty much every year I had to be Esther. Yeah, Esther isn't like that strong a woman, actually. Nah. I feel like Vashti is actually the strong woman in this story and she gets I assume, deposed. I assume when she leaves, she goes off and starts a successful small business of some kind? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember Vashti, so there you go. She's the queen who gets kicked out for not obeying the king and then he needs oh, then he needs yeah. a new queen and eventually chooses Esther. Yeah, no, I think we didn't we didn't observe Vashti. <laughs> <laughs> I mean she's not Jewish, so Yeah. There you go. As far as we know. So what what uh did the costume contest entail? Um, well, my costume entailed what my mother thought was appropriate Esther dress, which was um, a polyester scarf that I think she had worn in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it had it was purple polyester paisley with gold tassels. That sounds and, pretty, uh, pretty Persian, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, 
there you go, except for the polyester. Uh, apologies and to all, all our persons listening. And all of the yeah. details of it. But yeah, so there you go. It was like that. That was that was it. And what was the what were like the the how was that judged for a contest? I don't remember. There was like also a parade where we walked down a hallway. That sounds good. I mean, the hall a hallway is really like the street of a building if you think about it. Yeah, that's true. It's the street of a building. <laughs> that's true. That is how you would explain a hallway to someone who'd never been indoors. Um, and. Uh, and a God, I hope that day comes because <laughs> now I'm ready for it. Um, from my understanding, part of the traditional celebration of Purim is reading the book of Esther. Yeah, that sounds right. Did you do that? <laughs> uh, I remember the hamantashen. Mm-hmm. I remember the polyester scarf mm-hmm. and I remember um, the sponges. And there was also a thing where you could fish. Fish, like for you could fish for magnetic fish. Oh, I did that at uh, at many an ice cream social. Exactly, that's what I'm telling you. There's no many an ice cream social. Are you a thousand years old? No, like literally, my (laughs) elementary school regularly had ice cream socials. Uh, Did you have noisemakers? Yeah, that I'm remembering the sound of the noisemakers now that you say that. So yes, I think so. Um, The noisemaker that I encountered in the in the one pouring basket that I have received. In Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. It was like a little... A click clack uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a, yeah. a crack. Uh, actually, it's called a ratchet. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think ours were of the more squealy variety. But I think it was like one of those things where they just give you a bunch of noisy things. You know, like they always have those baskets in schools. Sure, yeah. The one would be like a, noisy like a cucumber shaker. And then there'll be like yeah, a... Yeah, I feel like that, that was kind of... The, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Because we also had... Um, uh, Jewish folk dancing classes there, sure and did. there were, I think, like baskets of things to make sound with from that too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. so like, like egg shakers and like noise was made. Claves. you can believe that. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. um, and I guess I've heard that traditionally that's like you read the you read the book, and then whenever they talk about Ham and whenever they say his name, then everybody's supposed to like crash their noisemakers. Yeah, and like you boo and you hiss, I think okay. too. Yeah, I mean that sounds like pretty cool. Sounds yeah, it sounds, like, yeah, it sounds okay. It, it was totally fun. Except it for was the, the best thing, the dry ass hom in Sunday school. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think like the the um, the dream that someday they might be good. Like I remember eating a lot of them, continually hoping that the <laughs> next one would have more uh-huh. chocolate chips in it. I feel like there's a lesson to be learned there, but I don't know what it is. No, I don't know what it is either. I didn't said, learn it. Let's go back to the hamantaschen because I feel like they're perhaps the most important part of this holiday. Clearly, you said yes. they're supposed to be hats. Oh yeah, you don't know this? No, I'm like this isn't this isn't in the Torah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, none of this is in the Torah. It's in the Tanakh. So hamantaschen, right? It means I think haman cookie. And I think it means haman pocket. Okay, well, that would make sense because it is kind of – it's like a pocket with the filling inside. But it's – so he has a three-corner hat. That's very important. I think what? there's a song you sing about his three-corner oh hat. Oh, my God. And that's how you know he's evil because he wears the three-corner hat. Oh, my God. And um, the cookie is shaped like his hat and it's folded in such a way that it looks kind of like a hat brim. Um, in Hebrew, they're called Oznai or Oznehaman or it's probably like Oznehaman or something. But it means Haman's ears. Oh. But like his ears are never mentioned in the story. 
Well, I wonder, I mean, I wonder if maybe it's like, like the Ashkenazi thing is that it's the hat and maybe the like, you know, the like Mizrahi thing or something is that it's the, um, or the Sephardi thing is that it's the ears. Oh, maybe. That makes sense. So, so Luke, out of yes. the Jewish holidays, how would you rank Purim in terms of funness? Okay. In terms of funness? Yeah. I mean, I know atonement I, is super fun, but how would, how does that compare? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely top i mean you know from an adult perspective porn is definitely the best holiday because it's just carnival i mean i think it's pretty clear why this this holiday or this story was appropriated because seriously like the next most fun holiday is what i mean hanukkah is only fun because it's near christmas and so it got turned into sort of like a proxy christmas uh-huh. but i don't think it's supposed to be that fun mm. so uh so that's the book of esther <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad i could help i mean I uh, I feel that I at least was able to educate you on the most popular interpretation of Hamantaschen, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah we appreciate I'm, it. I'm so, um, I'm just, I feel bad that the only Hamantaschen I've had are good. <laughs> well, you shouldn't feel bad. I feel it's like. It's okay. I mean, I know? probably, it's probably one of those like kind of cultural traitor things that I shouldn't even have told you they were bad. I oh, yeah, probably. Oh, oh. But you know, here's the thing. It's not. Don't blame the Jewish, blame the Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, fair. I come from a land of bad cookery, so. I come from a land down under. Speaking of which, <laughs> I think we should move on. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're about to go to Australia. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it has been lovely to have you on. Thank you so much. Uh, no problem. And uh, Where can people find you, Luke? Oh, yeah, where can people find you? Oh, they can search for my full name mm-hmm. they can go luke danny blue and then just put dot com at the end of oh, it danny is spelled d-a-n-i that's right um you're also on twitter i'm on twitter and i think it's actually the exact same thing yeah, at, at luke, luke danny, danny blue, blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah awesome well thank you very much for speaking with us and uh we hope to speak to you again if we need yes. any advice from the heart of the country and the heart of judaism that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you all right thank you <laughs> bye bye huge thank you to luke for dropping by the show but i think there's only one thing left to do in the show what's that and that's to rate this book <gasps> my dear rate this book. it's like you've never done this before oh my god i've done this 17 times it's like i'm working with a child over here oh my god okay how would you rate this book my dear uh i would give it 9.5 mm-hmm out of 10 mm-hmm. horses that the king has ridden. Wow. That's a great score. Um, I loved this. I think this is my favorite so far. Mm-hmm. Um, just like so much action, so much psychological insight into the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, really good storytelling, like poetic justice. Mm-hmm. We've got um, like building tension and... Um, I mean, the fact that it didn't mention God at all kind of helped. Did that bother you? Uh, <laughs> you know, rated rated higher for that. Um, I mean, you know, too bad about the mass slaughter at the end, but what are you going to do? It's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, I guess the only thing I'm kind of unsure about is is the very beginning when Queen Vashti mm-hmm. gets deposed, because I'm not exactly sure like what attitude the book of Esther is taking toward that, whether it's saying, yes, women should be obedient to their husbands, mm-hmm. or if it's saying like, yeah, that's what these crazy 
Persian kings think. Right. But they pass all sorts of crazy laws and listen to all sorts of crazy advice. Um, but I felt like, I mean, I enjoyed reading it because it was so in line with like modern feminism. You know, mm -hmm. it was like this woman uh, rejects being explicitly sexually objectified and she gets punished for it. And I was like, I totally understand like all the gender politics here. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, it was, a, it was a thrill ride. Were you disappointed that you paid for the whole seat, but you only used the edge? No, I live my life on the edge. Ah, uh, as we've established, I think before. Um, how about you? What would you rate this book? I would give this one 14 out of 16 large ham sons. Oh, <laughs> something not actually from the Bible, but <laughs> it's okay. That's like, uh, 14 out of 16, uh, pit bulls. By which I mean the rapper who looks like a giant ham golem mm -hmm. and not the very adorable breed of dog. Are you talking about Mr. Worldwide? I'm talking about Mr. Worldwide. Okay, just so we're clear. Yeah. I'm uh, talking about the human ham golem. I only know him as Mr. Worldwide. Okay. The creator of Any Vidi Vici. <laughs> okay. The, the only luxury vodka brand that I drink. You know what? Fair enough. Um, what's, what, explain it's more your of a rating. lifestyle brand explain than it your is a rating. vodka brand. Okay. <laughs> Let's just let's just get off the topic of Mr. Worldwide. I know I'm the one who brought it up, but what's your rating? I already gave you my rating. Okay, explain your rating. <laughs> uh, you said it all. It's it's beautifully written. The storytelling is very nice. Um, I think I, I I didn't mind, especially that it didn't mention God or anything like that. Although that kind of works to its disadvantage <gasps> because my expectations for a Bible book are that it should probably fit in with what's going on a little bit more. Well, that's the, I mean, and that lost it only two large sons. Now, now that when you think about it, that's not that many. I mean, when but when you think about it, I think that maybe casts a light on the rest of the books that we've read hmm. that like their intention was just as much political or cultural as it was religious. Hmm. And that like all this stuff about God is I mean, it's about God. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's also about like. The, the correct way it. to interpret it and the correct way, correct way to worship it. Yeah, right? and the correct way to, like, be a Jew mm -hmm. and the correct way to, like, live in this culture and have, like, social rules and social harmony, you know. Sure. So yeah. you're saying I shouldn't deduct it points for not fitting in with that. Well, I'm saying that, well, your rating is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. I understand that. I'm just wondering You can vote for Ralph Nader if you want. Talking. I don't care. <laughs> but um... He's dead, honey. He's dead? <laughs> no, he's dead. Oh, <laughs> All right, possible. Um, Ralph Nader. What I I just think like that actually that that may tell us something about the rest of the Bible mm. that we often ignore from this vantage point. In That's a good point. History. That's a good point. It sounds like you and I have a lot to think about. And yet we cannot say these thoughts on air. No, they're much too private. Much too blasphemous. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, we shall wrap up the show. <laughs> Perfectly done, my dear. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop or on Facebook. Search for Sunday School Dropouts. We have a website. It's sundayschooldropouts.lol. And you can email us at that website at uh, contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. If you were to visit that website, what you'd see is the lovely art of Elise Carlton. We thank her so much for our logo. And uh, thank you to Nico. Y'all don't even know, like... How much Nico does. I make Nico, like, Nico has to set up my microphone and put it at the right level for my face. Nico has to, like, mix my drinks. Like, I don't do shit on this show. 
Uh, but if you want, you can follow me on Twitter, Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille. If you want to help spread the word about this show because you're a, you're a convert, um, something that I guess is in theme with Sunday School. Mm, sort of. <laughs> um, the best thing that you can do to help other people find the show is to actually rate and review us on iTunes. We've discussed it many times before. You're probably sick of hearing about it. But it's actually stupidly helpful. And for we like, super, super, super appreciate it. We'd appreciate it. Um, so that's all we're going to say about it. Uh, look, your mother and I love you very much. And uh, until next week. This is Underschool Dropouts. Yep. I'm Lauren. I'm Nico. And we'll see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye. Bye.